that's what being a human is all about and like mm-hmm. being curious and, and and figuring out those curiosities like we literally are a manifestation of the universe discovering itself like think about that like yes man we're all made of stardust and carbon and what have you and all the electric and fiber and you know all these things conspired to make us which came from the universe and now we think and now we can contemplate like that that's crazy <laughs> it really is this episode is brought to you by west coast beach a year-round beach volleyball club on the west side of los angeles in santa monica california at west coast beach we aim to get one percent better every day both on and off the court you can find more info about us at westcoastvbc.com and on instagram with handle at westcoastvbc all right i'm here with gary gilliam gary thank you so much for being here man thanks for having me gary you went to milton hershey school in hershey pennsylvania you played football at penn state as a tight end and offensive tackle and you also double majored in advertising and pr you played for the seattle seahawks left and right tackle as an undrafted rookie you also played for the san francisco 49ers and you're the founder and ceo of the bridge eco village which is the bridge ecovillage.com. Your IG is at Gary underscore Gilliam. That's Gary with two R's. And once again, Gary, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Let's jump right in, man. Gary, what does living an inspired life mean to you, man? Oh, wow. Coming off with the heavy hitters. Living an inspired life. Um, you know, just I think, I think that kind of goes to a, a saying you know, um, nothing of myself is original. I'm a sum of everyone I've ever met. And normally it's the people that inspire you the most that you kind of emulate, right? And then by you doing that and being a sum of all those things, hopefully you're then inspiring other people. So I would say nurturing those relationships that inspire you so that you can then mirror those to other people and be an inspiration to them. I would say relationships is living an inspired life. I love that, man. I love that. You know, I've been following your story and and I'm really inspired by you. And, and you know, before we started the podcast, I was telling you, like, what's really inspiring me to uh, what's, what's really inspiring about your story to me is what you're doing now with, uh, with, with you know, it's not so much what you've done on the field. That's great. But what you're doing now, you know, um, talk a little bit about where you've been and where you're at now and where you're going with the framework of being inspired. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Where I've been, let's see. I uh, grew up uh, in, a, in a private boarding school for orphans. Um, a pretty small school. So my chances of, of getting a, a scholarship to play at a, a big division one football school was very small, but accomplished that. Um, went on to play at Penn State with uh, Joe Paterno and Bill O'Brien. Um, actually got a, a pretty major injury while I played at Penn State. Tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus, part of my patella tendon, um, and then also developed a staph infection in my bone marrow uh, as a complication to some of those surgeries. So ended up taking away a lot of my college career playing-wise. Um, which allowed me to actually triple major in business, advertising, and psychology at Penn State. Um, But then it made getting into the NFL a little bit harder, right? So, um, but then I did accomplish that actually. And a huge part 
and massive thank you to Lisa Rado and uh, Dr. Chad Moreau for that, actually, that transition into the league. Unfortunately, I did not get drafted. Um, I went the long, hard way of, of going undrafted and kind of having to work my way through rookie mini camp and training camp to make the team. Um, but then did that. So kind of all those things, like I did, it wasn't, it's not your, your glitz and glam, just kind of rainbows and honey and milk and all, whatever you want to add in there. Not, it wasn't, it was out of the mud. You know, I wasn't some first round draft pick. I wasn't some kid that went to a massive school that everyone was looking at. It was a long, hard, drawn out injury prone, like all types of things you had to get through and things, you know, doubters and what have you. So, and, and correlating that to living an inspired life, if you're not inspired by yourself daily and your ability to kind of get over these things, then you're not going to like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta really take in those small victories and, and be grateful for them. You know, right, I'm going through these hard things. I got through it. All right. Cause as you do that, and as you stack these things up, all these hardships that you got over as you approach another one, or as you encounter another one, you can just kind of look back and think, you know, Oh shoot, what have I been through? What have I done? I have the confidence to know I can get through through these things, right? So that should inspire you to to take on bigger and better objectives that you're trying to accomplish. Right? I've been through a lot, right? That means I can do even more, right? Man, like I, I'm, I told you before, I'm so inspired by your story because it's it's a unique story. And, and since you mentioned uh, Lisa Rado and Dr. Chad Moreau, and and huge shout out to them because I have personal experience with both of them. Lisa Rado is a great nutritionist, and and uh, Dr. Chad Moreau is an amazing trainer and rehab specialist. But talk a little bit about uh, Lisa because that's kind of our connection. I've worked with her personally. Um, I know you have as well. Talk talk about her uh, assistance with your journey. Yeah, yeah. So I'll start at the beginning of how we you know got connected. <clears throat> so as I mentioned, I was at Penn State through the whole transition from Coach Paterno to Coach O'Brien. Um, and through that transition, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty at, at the university of, of guys, of if they were going to leave, if there was going to be a football program, you know, just what the future was going to be. And before we ever got the sanctions that came down from the NCAA or, you know, before we really knew what our destiny was, I was one of the first players that came out like, hey, look, whether they give us a death penalty, take away scholarships, whatever, like I'm staying here. Like I committed right. to this university. This is where I want to be. I want to finish out, you know, what I came here to do. Um, and from doing that, I gained a lot of fans. You know, a lot of, it was kind of like when Twitter was really kind of just starting to take off. So I tweeted it out and it kind of, you know, it went viral for what viral was back then. And uh, Lisa was one of those fans. Um, and she ended up sending it to a bunch of her family because they had actually gone to Penn State as well. So they're huge Penn State fans. Um, and, hey, look at this guy, you know, look at this player of what he said. And, you know, this is really what Joe Paterno was all about and what he's all about. Like, this is somebody we got to, you know, watch and see what he will see what he does. So, you know, through the, the rest of my college career, you know, they the Rados followed it. <clears throat> and um, as I switched positions from tight end to offensive tackle, I gained a bunch of weight, not necessarily the best weight. So in order for me to really be able to compete at the next level, I knew I had to really shape that up and, and, and you know, chisel it out, if you will. Um, but not lose a bunch of weight. You know, I, I got, I had to maintain my about 300, 305 pounds, but I didn't, yeah, I got to gain muscle too. Cause I got to level yeah. up to the next level. So Lisa had actually messaged me and she was like, Hey, you know, are there any like nutritional needs that you need? Like any objectives that you're trying to hit on the nutritional side? And I was like, actually, yeah, you, you contacted me at the perfect time. Like I'm trying to gain muscle. I'm trying to lose fat. 
but I want to keep my weight about the same. And she was like, well, that's about the hardest thing that you can do. <laughs> um, and she was like, you know, I can send you meal plans and, and, and what have you, and you can try and stick to them. But she's like, the best thing I think for you to do would be to, to come out to California. And I was in Pennsylvania at the time. You know, I didn't really know her from aside from social media. Um, and I was just like, well, I don't like that's a bit much. Well, one, I don't have right. money to like, you know, be flying across the country and then paying for housing or hotels. I still don't know if I if I'm gonna actually stay at Penn State for another year because I had another year to play, or if I'm going to declare for the NFL, right? So that means I don't have an agent to necessarily pay for all this stuff. Um she was like, she was like, um, she's like, no, you're she's like, you declaring for the NFL, get an agent, you know, we'll figure out what that looks like on the back end in terms of them paying for trading. She's like, but like initially right now, she's like, you know, I'll I'll take care of you. She's like, you know, come out here for three weeks. Um, this kind of, let me put you on a detox, get your liver right, get you hooked up with Dr. Chad Hill. You know, he had an injury, you had an injury. So I want to make sure you're aligned properly. And um, so I was like, you know what? Like, why not? You know, I got right. there for a couple of weeks and if, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. Then I'll come back to Penn State and train and, and take my shot, right? Well, over those three weeks, I ended up actually losing, I think it was 19 pounds of fat and gained like 10 pounds of muscle um over just three weeks so i was like oh wow like all right well she's got me on what she's doing like with these meals that she's preparing the supplements that i'm on what dr chad is doing like this is legit you know yeah. like, uh actually my bad that first time the first three weeks i misspoke i actually lost 21 pounds of fat <laughs> okay and gained 19 pounds of muscle excuse <laughs> me that's what it was man and um so I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this like this works. So I did not, by that point I had an agent. So I sent that information, like we were doing daily embodies, right? So measuring my water and muscle and fat and bones and all that stuff. And um, so I sent the information to him, like, look, like, like what Lisa's doing and what the trainers are doing out here is legit. Like this is my this is my results in just three weeks. Like my pro day isn't for another three months. So let's figure out a way for me to be out here and, and, you know, we were able to convince my agent to be out there locked in some more training. So then I ended up being out there for about four months altogether. Um, and then Lisa actually ended up coming back to Penn state for my pro day. Um, she put together like a, a specific juicing series of like beet juices and cucumber juices, like timed out, like this amount of time, like you'll be doing, you know, this event. So we'll put it at, you know, just like very scientific, very down to the molecule, literally. Um, they had, she had all the information on my body. I had gotten blood work done. So they knew kind of what I was, you know, lacking in what I needed, all that stuff and just destroyed in a good way. My pro day, like some of the best numbers as an offensive tackle across almost all the athletic, uh, events. And, um, that really woke up a lot of the scouts like, wait, who is this dude? He's a junior, first of all, like, and he's just insanely athletic. Like, who is this guy? Right. Right. So, um, that locking in with her getting like all the the education on nutrition still carries through to this day um a lot of the workouts and, and things of of structural and and just postural things and as you know like psoas and soft tissue work just a lot of education stuff that chad gave mm -hmm. you know definitely carried in and through my professional career and after um but i can i can confidently say that without lisa and chad that my chances of making in the nfl would have been even lower than they already were um, and they definitely, you know, played a huge role in that. So I'm like, extremely grateful for them. And, you know, I stay in contact with both of them to this day. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. yeah.
Yeah, huge shout out to them. And and I, I'm going to leave links to both of them. I've never I've actually never worked with a nutritionist prior to her. So um, I, when I worked with her, she's great for all those reasons that you mentioned, but also to like the just being a cool person. She's just like she's a cool person. Right. So anyone out there listening to this, looking for a nutritionist, looking for, um, you know, to, to try to meet nutritional goals or physique goals, contact Lisa. She she's a, she's amazing. Um, when I actually, I actually reached out to her and she told me something, she said, um, one of your mottos or your main motto is perseverance through adversity. Could you talk about that a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, so my, my quick little recap of my life and all the, the hardships, that's, that's really what, it's really what it was all all about is, is perseverance through adversity. And, and it kind of really boils down to, you know, not like, just expect bad things to happen in life. Um, but then it's about kind of your perspective on these, these quote unquote bad things. Are they hurdles, right? So now you got to determine like, all right, am I going to run around it? Am I going to jump over it, go through it? Or has your perspective shifted and you look at all these things as opportunities and or stepping stones? Like, all right, I'm trying to get across this river. These things that are popping up with something I can actually stand on for me to get to where I'm trying to go. So through my life, I just, anything that bad ever happened, I knew that there was a balance to the universe. So like, all right, if something really bad is going on at some point, I don't know when something good will happen. So like, let me just stay the course. Let me get through what's going on. Let me look at this, not as wins and losses, but as wins and lessons, right? That L is a lesson. I didn't lose here. As long as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of what's going on and what's around me, why something happened and I can pull out the value in that. That's extreme. That's good. Those are that's you want those things to come in. You want those stepping stones to come. You want more bricks to be thrown so you can build this structure around yourself, right? Um, which then leads me to another quote. Just a bunch of quotes, right? Like, uh, yeah, have to go. Uh, uh, skilled sailor is not made on calm waters. That's right. I like that one. Yeah, you got to go out there and experience the rough seas, man. You know, um, and it's not about just experiencing. It's about how you do it. You know, and just going real, uh, just going back to Chad Moreau real quick. You know, I've been through injury. He he helped me through that that injury. I know you've been through multiple injuries, like you mentioned. Like, if there's anyone out there listening to this who's experiencing injury, um, what tips and advice do you have for them? Literally, I uh, take it one day at a time. You know, obviously, you know where where what the what the end objective is is you being completely healthy and getting back out to your sport or whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Um, but just like a football game, like we're always taught, like take it one play at a time. Like, all right, you know, we want to win the game or get to the Super Bowl, whatever, but like one game at a time, one play at a time. Same thing with rehab, like one rehab at a time, one exercise at a time, one rep at a time, right? And then back to those, like those small victories, like tracking for yourself. Like, you know, I went from 10 pounds to 15 pounds. Like, it's okay. Like take that in and and, and enjoy that and, and pat yourself on the back, put that, as a, as a log for your competence, right? Now mm. I can go from 15 to 20, 20 to 25. And like, so to build your confidence up, which as you know, coming from an injury is the biggest thing is your confidence. Yeah. Then when you get to that point, when you get back to your game and you have that, that slight, just subconscious, like, Oh, can I make this cut? Can I do this? You can rely on, on your small victories as you, as through your rehab. Oh, I can definitely do this. I was one leg squatting 315 pounds. Like this is nothing. <laughs> right. Right. So, really, really setting the foundation for you to be mentally okay, which is the whole other side of your injury, aside from the physical stuff, it's tied. So as you're going through those rehabs, taking those small victories, little victories, enjoy them and stack them 
so you can refer back to them when you need them. Love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about practicing games and specifically being inspired or being uninspired. Throughout your life, I, you seem like you've, you've always just been inspired, but have there, any, have there ever been any moments where you've just felt uninspired as an athlete? Oh, man. Um, uninspired as an athlete. Well, shoot. Yeah. I know it's a weird question, but like just I'm just thinking back in my in my playing career, like every once in a while, like, you know, you're tired or you're just you're just like, you know, something you just feel heavy, you know, or like psychologically heavy. Like, yeah. can you relate to that at all? Just yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah. So so in those times, mm -hmm. you got to refer back to your to your why. Mm. Like, there's two different whys. There's there's your little why, which is, you know, why you're playing the sport which is probably to win a game or get a trophy or play with your boys or whatever it is. But then there's a big why. And in most cases, if you're an athlete, you're trying to become a professional athlete or you are a professional athlete. And the reason you're trying to do that is, at least in my case, personally, my big why was always to make sure my family was okay. Right? Like, all right, I don't feel like practicing today, but is that an excuse to, to give up on my family? Because especially in the NFL, like, you have one bad practice that could very well be the straw that broke the camel's back and you're gone. You don't right. have the opportunity to have a bad day or, or a bad play or a string of bad plays. So you got to forget if you did have a bad play, show that you're coachable, take the coaching and move on. But as long as you keep that big, why, right. For me, it was my family. Now I'm sorry. Right, well, I don't, I don't have an excuse to, to really have a bad day. If I have one, all right, let me redirect this energy. To, to be more productive with it, you know, and, and keep in yeah. mind the fam is on your back, right? Be the CEO of your last name. Mm. Ah, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I love that, man. That's that's knowledge. Um, let's talk about some inspiring moments that you may have had. And and one in particular that I'm sure people have asked you about is that is that touchdown, that 19 yard touchdown on a fake field goal attempt uh, during the during your 28-22 overtime NFC championship game victory over the Green Bay Packers. Talk a little bit about that moment. And if, if uh, people haven't seen it, you know, I encourage them to watch it on YouTube. But yeah, just just talk about that moment for you. Yeah, so that was my rookie year. Um, I was not starting at the time. I was kind of in a role like a swing tackle, big tight end, which was cool because I played tight end in college. So I got to kind of do, you know, motions and all that fun stuff. Um, but my role was just was just that. Aside from like every once in a while, we had a gimmick play in where we had like a fake this or a fake that. And some of the times it went to me, sometimes it didn't. Um, well, you know, we had went through the year that they had just won the Super Bowl the year before. The team was still extremely good. Um, go through playoffs. And now we're in the NFC Championship game versus the Packers. And it's late in the third quarter and we're down 16 to nothing. It's not a good place to be at when you're facing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. <laughs> So um, I was thinking like, there's no, like we had a fake play in that week, but I was like, there's definitely no way they're calling now. Like the NFC championship game, they're going to call some play to a rookie. Yeah, definitely not. Pete looked at me, Gil, you ready? I was like, whoa, yeah, let's go I'm with it. Come on. So I'll pause there. Now, before he calls the, you know, says, all right, we're calling the play the week before we obviously practice it. Now, every like, almost every week leading up to, like I said, we had these fake plays and we never called them in a game. So now we're in the playoffs and a big game. I'm not really locked in, right? I'm just a rookie kind of floating around, called a play. I actually ended up running the wrong route and then dropped the ball when they threw it to me in practice. So then I was like, oh, they're definitely not calling this play. 
Charlie Brown, which was the play call. Because if you look at the play, John Ryan was the holder of the of the field goal and picked the ball up, right? Like whatever her name was to do to Charlie Brown. And he ran her out. And then he had the option. If he had it clear, he could run. Right. But depending on how the defense played it, then I, he had an option to throw to me. Um, so coach calls a play, Charlie Brown. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we line up, see how the defense is lined up, which triggers it to come to my side. Now it's all right. Let's see how this linebacker plays me. Right. So I run toward him. Like I'm gonna block him. And he probably thinks I'm coming to block him. Cause I'm an offensive lineman. He sees John Ryan running the ball. So he peels off of me and runs toward John. So I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. It's coming to me. So I look over my shoulder and then, you know, John tosses it up. And actually, if you see up there, that's actually the ball right there. Oh, that's tight. That's cool, man. But um, so you know, lobbed it up, and I mean, I better catch it at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everything was kind of blacked out, right? I caught the ball, and then in the second between catching the ball and like the end, I kind of flashed back, right? It's always every offensive lineman's like dream to catch a touchdown because we want to do a touchdown dance, right? So I remember. <laughs> Leading up, and literally, I remember during that game, we were talking like, uh, you know, if you hey, if you score this touchdown, you know, what are you going to do? And I was like, like you, you got to be out there just dancing, dancing, dancing. I was like, nah, you know, I, I kind of just want to, like, mock somebody's, like, dance. Like, you know, <laughs> the one play, you know, we were, we were playing the Panthers when Cam Newton was there. I had a play then. I was like, look, if I score, I'm going to do the, you know, the Superman thing. <laughs> so I felt it very fitting, right, with playing the Packers and what we are what – Aaron Rodgers does is his uh, touchdown celebration is his little yeah uh, yeah right yeah I was like yeah you know what if I score this touchdown I'm definitely doing a discount double check so bam I hit it on him and just like it was just like the crowd erupted and as you know like Seattle's fans are crazy so like playoffs like we were down it just and then that was just the first play of a bunch, a string of crazy plays, which is probably one of the craziest games I've ever been involved in. My fake field goal, there was a two-point conversion, an onside kick recovery, over into overtime. Um, just a lot of things happened for us to get to that game and win that game. Then went on to the Super Bowl to lose um, on the one-yard line against the Patriots. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, but but that moment, I because that was I want to say was that your first career to, uh, reception and touchdown in the yeah, NFL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, like that's cool, you know. I I'm sure many people have asked you this, but talk about the emotion of that moment and just I mean, man, like just with all those fans. I mean, people who have never been in that kind of situation, what does that adrenaline feel like? It's. Uh, I, I, it's, it's really there's nothing you can really like you know compare it to okay yeah um, but it's just it's energy right you know? and and it's i just love like one plan at penn state sorry my lights over here that's okay yeah that's all right plan at penn state and plan in front of one hundred and ten thousand people was a was a thing in of itself right that was a pretty impressive and like running out on that field was always one of the most satisfying and just rewarding things ever. And then you go into the NFL and a lot of the stadiums, a lot of the fans, like they're not that many people. Like you got about 68, 70,000, if that. And um, Seattle was just different though. Yeah, the 12th man. It was like, they had the energy, albeit only 68, 70,000 people, they had the energy of 110,000 people, right? And then the way that the stadium's constructed, it almost kind of like bounces the sound back in. 
So like their energy, their passion for football there, the way the stadium was built, the circumstances, having won the Super Bowl, being down, like I think Russ had like four turnovers in the game, fake field goal to some rookie offensive lineman on a fake play who just discount double checked, like, oh, like it was crazy. Oh. It was crazy. Like it was, it was, it was insane. And um, yeah, like I said, I got the football, I got the glove, yeah. I did a bunch of videos, news clippings of it. Um, and I didn't realize how big of a moment it really was, you know, at the time. And I was only a rookie. Uh, and I remember Michael Bennett came up to me after. And he was like, he was like, dude, that play is going to go down in history. Like, people will, will remember that play forever. And I was like, oh, I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I didn't really think of it. But at, even now, like, I literally just the other day, I was at, uh, even with my mask on, you know, and a, and a hat on and a, and, a, and a hoodie, like, somebody was like, are you Gary? I was like, oh, yeah. oh, I still remember that touchdown. You like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, then, That's then the cool, question is always, oh, are you, are you gonna are you gonna come back and play for us? We could use an offensive lineman. <laughs> hey, man. That's really cool, man. And and especially being down 16-0, got the momentum back and and you know, ended up winning the game. And I think, you know, relating that moment and that feeling back to this project, which is all about kind of the inspired living idea and and one of those, one of the, the the kind of components in that idea is emotional management. So, you know, how, how would you, how would you give advice to a youth athlete who's trying to manage their emotions, right? Because it's kind of a difficult thing. They, not necessarily, you know, with all those people or big moments like that, but just in general, you know, can you give any tips on just how to manage your emotions? Emotional management. You got all the good questions. <laughs> um, personally for me, like sometimes I think I almost overly manage my emotions and mm. that sometimes my teammates would kind of be like, dude, like, are you like here? Like we just scored a touchdown and you're just like, you know, really locked in. I was always like the guy who was on to the next play, never really had a lot of ups or a lot of downs, but that was because I think that was, that was how I managed the, the emotional ups and downs. Like you get too high, you're going to have a low, but if I can kind right. of maintain in the middle somewhere now i can be that 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 hold fast i can be that that guy who's been there before the one that people can hold on to and kind of you know recalibrate themselves uh you can be that guy and that's right. kind of the person i enjoyed being you know no matter how excited somebody got like, hey look we still got a task at hand like we're still down or we still got to win or we got to do this or or if we're down like hey look we got a chance here like we're only down this much like just kind of being like i said that that equilibrium if you will for for my teammates um so i would say for people forget if you can have a have a short memory um but but take the lesson right if don't right. if you if you made a mistake on a play if you did something wrong you were in the wrong spot or you didn't have your foot in the right place your hand in the right position whatever it was remember why it happened right but don't mull on it so much and now it, it, it you have a string of just bad plays back to back to back to back right take right. the lesson move on from it and forget the bad parts about it and then execute right and then that's how you make yourself a better player right all right man so yeah we were just talking about the emotional management and i just think that's so key for all athletes youth adult coaches all of us all human beings we have to manage those emotions so let's carry that over a little bit into the culture of excellence that coach pete carroll created and would, would also love to kind of pick your brain about how Dr. Mike Gervais played a role into your success there. Yeah, shoot. Uh, Dr. Mike Gervais is the real deal. He's the real deal. And 
Sure, I'll put this out there first and foremost. Like it's it's very okay to to have like therapy, therapist, psychology, like those type of things are very okay. Yeah. Um, like we live very complicated lives and to kind of sort that knot of a brain out is 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 very beneficial in a lot of different areas of life. So I know some athletes are like, dude, like you're meeting with like the sports psychologist. Like, what's wrong? Like, are you are you like yeah, I'm good. I'm unlocking other parts of my brain that you don't even think about. Like, I'm right. good. Like, I'm really good. I'm be even better now. Right. Um, and, and Mike does a really good job at that. And I'll, I'll speak specifically on that after I talk a little bit about Coach Carroll and, and sure. the culture of excellence. Um, they did a really good job at, of, of it there. And Coach Carroll and, and John Schneider, they do a real good job of before before they even start talking to the guys about culture, they make sure they got the right guys on the team. Right. So they they're heavy on this thing called grit. And right. essentially, like it's kind of about perseverance to adversity, looking for guys who have been through things because, you know, you're better slated to get through things as it as it happens. Right. You don't want a guy who, who's had the easy road the whole time get into a game where you got to execute in the fourth quarter and somebody punch you in the mouth and you can't respond. Like, well, no, nah, like you've been through it in life. So when I look at grit and doggedness and, you know, some of those things that a lot of the Seahawks staff actually scout for aside from the football talent um, that lays the foundation for the culture of excellence, right? Cause you got to be able to get through stuff to realize your full potential, to realize your full excellence. And then what they do is they make it very digestible. Like it's very consistent. Like what Monday is, what Tuesday is, what Wednesday is competition, Wednesday, turnover, Thursday, no repeat Friday. Like I still remember and I'm not even on the team, like just like a way of, of really conditioning things in, but intentional all for excellence and all for maximizing what, what you're trying to do together. Um, and Coach Carroll, you know, by no mistake, works with Dr. Mike Gervais um, in a psychology sense. And I, and I have I have no doubt that a lot of the way that the team is set up, the way Coach Carroll talks to the team, what just very like down to the very, very minute kind of operational things, um, I think is very, very linked to psychology for that team. And uh, right. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. You know, there were there were times when, you know, I didn't really like certain things that were going on because I felt like, yeah, it might be manipulating some people here in a little bit of a way, you know, but all for, you know, the betterment of the team. Sure. As an individual, when you want the betterment of yourself and not the team, then there could be a little bit of, you know, a little bit of tension there. But um, Mike Gervais, in terms of Mike Gervais, there was something for me. for, for whatever reason, like I would block, make my block be cool, but like I wasn't like a hit somebody and like blow through their chest. I was more like, you know, just I'm gonna I'm handle my job, do what I gotta do and keep it pushing. And like, we kind of like boiled it down of like, where where was that coming from? Like, why wasn't I killing people for for lack of a better term? And it kind of went back to where I went to, to school, my boarding school, right? Like I was a bigger kid. So in any interaction I had with somebody, if I physically dominated them, it looked like it was bullying, but I was just more athletic or I was bigger or whatever. So like I learned to kind of hide that or, or, or shelter it, right? That, that, hmm. that aggressive mentality, if you will, was kind of hidden. It was there and it come out in cer- certain times only when I got like, you know, hit or something happened or like I got yelled at and I got angry and like it, it brought it out. But we wanted to figure out a way to have it and me be able to control when it comes out and when it goes away, right? Yeah. So um, one thing that he had me do was called a, a dismissive gate. And um, dismissive meaning like no regard for somebody and gate meaning walk. 
So like for me, I always had, you know, high regard for somebody, for other people, especially being how big that I was. If I was ever walking in a crowd, like, you know, I would make sure that I got out of the way of somebody because if I run into you, I'm probably knock you over, right? So I was very <laughs> conscious about where I was in space. But when it translated to football, I was like, no, you got to have a disregard for the other individual. He's like, so what I want you to do to kind of get your brain and body connected is go into a very crowded area, whether it's a mall, an airport, the more crowded, the better. He's like, go on the wrong side of the path. Walk against the grain. He's like, I want you to pick a spot in the distance and just look at that, look at that spot and like kind of put a dismissive look on your face. Like you're on a mission, you're not getting out of the way and just use your body language, the way you look, the pace you're walking and use that to get people out of your way. He's like, I want you to walk directly toward the old women, the young kids, the, like I want you to make them move, not by saying something, but by the way you feel and look. Wow. And it, was the, it was the hardest thing in the world for me to do. Um, but I practiced it and practiced it. And, and there was a correlation between me going through people in the football field and me going through people in real life, right? <laughs> he was like, and even if you bump into somebody, do not turn around and apologize. I want you to be, I don't know if I can curse on your podcast. Go ahead, man. I want you to be an asshole. And yeah. I was like, but like, that's like, no, like I'm a nice guy. Like, I don't want to, like, no, when you do that, that's what you gotta, and I was like, all right, well. That's cool. That's so cool, man. And like, so I recently, uh, you know, had him on, I haven't published it yet, but you know, he, to me, he's, he's kind of incredible. Like you said, he, he, he's just like, uh, you know what, actually I, I called him, I, I came up with a term for him, the, the, the key holder or the key maker from the matrix. Mm. Remember that guy who's like, always had the key to the door. Like, I feel like Dr. Mike Gervais always has like this ring of keys. Like, Oh, you need a key. Oh, here's a key dismissive gate. That's a key for you, <laughs> you know? or, or tools. Right. Like I think we all as, uh, as athletes or coaches or, or just people who are trying to make moves in life, we need these, these keys or tools, you know, and that's what this project's all about. So I'm, I'm so happy that you mentioned that about Dr. Mike Gervais, just because, you know, people like that who are curious, right? He's so curious about that next level, about how to get you to the next level, about how to get the team to the next level. He's curious, that curiosity. Like, I think the whole idea of this Inspired Living Project is to tap into that curiosity within. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. What, I mean, that's that's what being a human is all about. And like mm -hmm. being curious and, and, and figuring out those curiosities, like we literally are a manifestation of the universe discovering itself. Like, think about that. Like, yes, man, we're all made of stardust and carbon and what have you. And all the electric and fiber and, you know, all these things conspired to make us, which came from the universe. And now we think, and now we can contemplate like that. That's crazy. <laughs> it really is. No, it really is. And uh, I think that's a really good segue to which what I really want to talk with you about, which is which is the bridge eco village and you know, before we get really into it, uh, talk a little bit about your curiosity for that idea. That must have been an inspired idea. Talk about when that idea came, how it came, that curiosity that was inside you that, you know, talk about that. Okay, yeah, so we were just talking about that curiosity. And uh, yeah, just talk a little bit about where this 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 idea of the bridge eco village came from. Mm, yeah, loaded, loaded question. <laughs> in terms of uh, curiosity, shoot, I was always a, a curious kid. I was the kid that like, if somebody was like, you know, two plus two is four, I was a kid like, well, like why? 
Mm-hmm. Who says that two is two? Like, why can't two be three? And like, <laughs> I was I was the kid that really wanted the like real the real description of everything. Sure. And if someone didn't have the answer, I went and found it. Like, I went and did research and 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 explored my curiosity to really satisfy it, um, which led me to be interested in a bunch of different things. You know, I, sports is actually probably the the least of which I'm interested in. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> being a big and, and athletic and intelligent helps in sports, you know. Um, but that I, I if, if you if you ask anybody who grew up with me, like who I am, they'll be like, oh, that's, he's a nerd. Like that dude, <laughs> he always talking about something like something off the wall. Like that's who I've always been. Um, and how that kind of correlates to the bridge, I would say takes a stop at Penn State in my business degree. Um, and not just, you know, that curiosity and that observation of, of my surroundings eventually led to seeing a lot of different points of pain. Mm. What we learned in business was, was with those points of pain, if you provide a business, a service, or a good that solves that point of pain, not only are you going to make a lot of money, but you're going to help a lot of people, right? So as I move through society and I see these points of pain, not just like small points of pain, but like really big ones, like... Right hunger and right. education and home ownership rates and financial literacy and you know some of these things it's like well shoot like how do we how do we really create a solution for for the lack of information and that's really all it is it's just lack of information opportunity for people to, to educate themselves on these different things um mm-hmm. so then that curiosity and that observation of things and put putting solutions to these points of pain then obviously being able to make a significant amount of money, um, be educated at Penn State and also have great relationships and networks. Then it was like, all right, well, what do we, how do we, how do we present this to the world? What do we, what do we do here? Right. Um, so now flashback to Milton Hershey School and the way that the town of Hershey was actually set up by the great chocolatier Milton Hershey himself. The town was actually founded for his chocolate factory workers. He didn't want his workers to have to go anywhere else out of the town to get what they needed. So he established a theater, a park, a school, grocery stores, like an entire town, essentially every a place for you to work, eat, live, learn and play. Then he created the school itself, which also has everything that you need from the time that you're in kindergarten all the way through graduation, spaces for you to work, eat, live, learn and play and be educated tremendously. So I was in that environment. Wow. Most of my life. So I saw what it could do for a kid who came from nothing, who came from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, whose parents didn't understand financial literacy, um, who wasn't in an environment or in a school district that had the education or the even the means to educate a kid to get him to his full potential or get her to her full potential. Um, so seeing what that school did in its environment, its opportunity for a kid really solidified what is what 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 the real solution for a lot of these different needs are it's it really boils down to the another quote talent is evenly distributed but resources and opportunity are not Mm. wow so that means the next einstein very well may be on market street but she doesn't know it because she's never been exposed to some of those things so it's our job to take our funds take our opportunities and our environments and create them for other people so that they can reach self-actualization, right? 
that's really what the bridge is, is, is really about, right? But before we can start to talk to a person about what it means to be a man or a woman or an entrepreneur or a, a spiritual person, we got to take care of the base level of that pyramid, right? The shelter, the food, the water, right? I can't talk to you about these entrepreneurial things and investing if your stomach is sitting there growling. You don't right. have the base here, right? Then we got to take a step up, right? Safety, security, love and belonging, self-esteem, right? You got to stack all those things up before everyone can start to vibrate at the top of that pyramid. Mm. You got, you. they gotta be, it's not one entity does this part of it, this entity does that part of it. You gotta combine those things together intentionally, right? With a true mission and process of getting it done. So that's really what the bridge, in terms of those curiosities, that's really what it, it came out to be. It's really, you're right. It, it started as curiosities and, and trying to find solutions for those problems and, and putting an actual plan in place. Yeah, man. I mean, that's so cool. To, and and that's really why I wanted you here, because to me, you're, you're taking what you like, all of this, the success that you've had, and you're taking that and you're using your name and your likeness and your relationships and you're and you're trying to provide for these communities. And really, I think I saw in one of your interviews, it's 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 not just communities, it's, it's the world, right? It's like, we're all one, you know, so how can we start right now with what we're doing in our energy right now in our own city right now, you know, um, for anyone out there listening, I'm just going to read um, what I got from your website, which is the bridge eco village in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is a for purpose real estate development company that acquires old properties like schools, malls and warehouses and turns them into eco villages in the inner city. And, and I mean, that's beautiful, bro. Like that's awesome. You know, um, I really resonate with that. I was actually an environmental studies major at UCLA and we talked about, you know, sustainability and that that was back in you know the the early 2000s, but I was I was really drawn to that idea of uh sustainability and and you know trying to figure out solutions like these pain points that you're talking about, solutions for pain points um from a foundational level, you know, and you talk about systemic empowerment, man. I love that. I would love for you to talk about where that came from and what that really means. Yeah. So in the, in the formation of, of the Bridge Eco Village and who we are as a, as a company, a corporation, what the culture is <clears throat> and who, who, who's our worthy opponent, right? Who are we really combating? Like who, 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 who are we going to compete against? Right. You know, your pitch deck competition, who's our competition? I mean, there's not other mixed use developments that are really doing what we're doing. So like, it's gotta be a bit bigger than that, right? So right. in doing that and trying to figure out who the worthy opponent was, it's like, okay, well, well, what are we, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? What are we solving, right? And those things that I mentioned in terms of, you know, food deserts, home ownership rate, education levels, um, redlining, right? A lot of these things, it comes out to be systematic oppression or systemic racism, right? So that means that's our worthy opponent. Uh-huh. We I know see. we win when those things are gone, right? When when there's no longer food deserts, when home ownership rates are very high, when the school districts have the proper funding to get the education levels up, when the redlining is gone, we've broken those barriers, right? That's when we know that we're successful. So that's who our worthy opponent is. So that means mm. we need to set up another system, right? This is a system of oppression and that means we need to create a system of empowerment and combat each of those small things that were put in place a long time ago. We need to figure out how to unwind them, right? Reestablish a new normal 
and provide this environment of empowerment for individuals. I love it, man. I mean, um, and, and just expanding on that, I, I found your five pillars, work, eat, live, learn, and play. Can you just briefly talk about how that all fits in into the eco village? Yeah, yeah. So at some point in your day, you're probably working, eating, living, learning, or playing. Right. One of those five things, right? So why not do those all in the same place? Um, so in a mixed use development sense, that's what it is. It's not, we've seen like the, the work live spaces and even some of the play live spaces, right? But very rarely do we see worky live, learn, play all in one entity. And that's because places aren't zoned that way. Right. Our cities are set up where commercial areas are a place, industrial areas are a place, residential areas are a place, which then makes us drive a bunch of places. So now we need a car and we're doing less sustainable things by just driving. So now not only do we combine all of our needs in one place, which makes it more sustainable by driving, but now we create synergy. Each of those things are actually more powerful and stronger together than they are apart. So now we start to see a compounding impact on the residents of each bridge location, right? But it doesn't stop there. The way the buildings are, are built and converting these old buildings is updating their nervous system, essentially, right? Let's give them solar panels, let's do water collection, geothermal, right? Let's collect our, our waste, let's convert that into nutrients and bio-rich methane, right? Let's use all these technologies that have been perfected and are still being perfected, add a research and development aspect to the bridge so we can continue to perfect them and make these old buildings last even longer. They were built, buildings built in the 1930s are like bomb shelters. Mm -hmm. They got great bones. So let's update their nervous system and their digestive system, if you will, and build things that are meant to last. So to us, sustainability is about the built environment, right? It's about solar panels and what have you, but it's also about longevity, right? We're building that way so that the entity itself cannot just sustain itself on a sustainability aspect, but it can financially sustain itself, right? There's not, it's not a bunch of leaking out of it. Shout out to, to Nipsey Hussle and rest in peace to Nipsey Hussle. All money in is not just his record label, right? That's a mentality. And it's the same type of thing, right? Fully vertically integrated entire community that's self-sustaining and closed loop, but constantly educating individuals and kicking those individuals out into the world to populate other places. That's the way our city should be built, right? This isn't just about a small project. It's really about city development, which then impacts the state impacts our country, impacts our world. As you stated, everything is connected. But right. we gotta first start, as we stated before, one play at a time, right? Let's start in our hood. Let's bring together the teams and the funding. Let's work together in a public-private partnership to convert these old buildings. We don't gotta keep knocking our trees down. We're not helping. Right, let's figure out ways to do it together. And man, I think this is such a great way to bring people together, especially now with the recent kind of strange racism that we're kind of been exposed to, you know, this is, this is uh, action. This is action. This is not talking about it. This is not like going on and on and on about it, about how bad it is. No, this is, this is you stepping up and saying, no, this, actually we're going to take action and this is how, and we're going to bring everyone together. And I also want to allow you to talk about the investment opportunity because you know, you're, you're providing an investment opportunity for individuals, corporations, talk about that. And, and, you know, if someone's listening out there, who's interested in, in getting involved, how can they get involved? Yep. Um, so as of now, uh, we're taking in donations, if you will, for, for our nonprofit. Um, we're still setting up the, uh, the full capital stack. We'd like to have an opportunity for, you know, unaccredited investors and some, kind of some type of crowdsource. We haven't really figured out what that looks like, but we will provide an opportunity for that. 
Okay. Um, but in terms of like, if people want to really get involved in like a, a bigger scale, like some of our accredited investors, athlete entertainers, real estate investors themselves, definitely reach out through the bridge website, contact us with a subject of investing. And we can show you the term sheets, the pro formas, you know, what have you, if, if that's the, the, the route that you want to go, we do want to provide an opportunity for a lot of other people to get involved. So we're still going through the legal processes of some of those things and figuring out how it's going to fit to allow just the average person to invest. Um, but yeah, you, you can contact us, like I said, through our bridge website at thebridge.com and we'll get back to you. Yeah, cool. And I'm going to link that all into this episode um, for anyone listening who wants to reach out. I really think it's cool, man. I, I think it's, um, to me, it's inspiring. This is inspired living. This is taking those lessons, those experiences, that experience of you catching that touchdown, taking that emotion, you know, and transferring it into something that's tangible that that other people can start to experience success, right? And winning, right? So that that's what's cool. Uh, you, the hashtag let's build. Talk about that for a second. Where'd that come from? Yeah. Um, just so like, there's a lot of people that, that, that talk. Mm-hmm. Um, as my big homie, Marshawn Lynch says, you know, I'm about that action boss. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep here, you know, I'm just going to sit here and keep talking about it and putting together master plans and then never actually building things and never actually helping people. Right. Right. It's like, I'm not going to keep sitting here and talking like let's build. Right. Let's, 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 let's build like <laughs> nothing else to say. We got like, let's go, you know, let's get the money in, let's execute, let's build, you know, and that's how we always end all of our calls and hashtag let's build. I mean, that could be for anything and all things, you know? So. Right. Just today, bro, right before this, this uh, podcast, I saw your Instagram quote that you put out. I got to read it because it just fits in right now. As we grow, I believe it's our responsibility to put that aptitude into action. That's what we strive to do with the bridge. Let's build. Just kind of summed it up right there, you know? That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's, man, so cool. Gary, I, I, I want to respect your time. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and, and talking about, you know, some of those experiences and, and about the, the bridge eco village. I want to be involved. I think there's opportunity here in Los Angeles. I think you have plans for eight other cities I read. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to see how this uh, unfolds and blossoms. And I, I know you're going to be successful and, you know, definitely want to be a part of that journey. So, you know, um, you. yeah, yeah, man, thank you so much. And I would actually really love to do a part two one day um, and just kind of do a follow up and kind of see where the progress is with everything. I'm down. I'm down. Cool. We, can, we can chop it up whenever about whatever. Cool, bro. Awesome. Uh, one more time, just just tell folks how they can uh, how they can find you and um, and just any websites you want to mention or anything like that. Yeah, simple. Thebridge.com. Um, our socials are linked at the bottom of that website, as well as you know any other stuff that you want to learn about the bridges there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Gary underscore Gilliam. That's Gary with two R's. And um, aside from that. Go subscribe to our website and uh, go buy some merch. We got hats and sweaters and, you know, things like that. That's also linked on the website. And uh, aside from that, shoot, let's build. <laughs> let's build. Let's build. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Gary. And uh, we'll talk soon. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on Within the Game podcast. Visit WithinTheGame.com for show notes and links on everything we talked about today. 
You can also subscribe to the mailing list, which will give you exclusive content from each guest, as well as more resources to help you stay inspired in and out of your game. Follow us on Instagram at Within the Game Podcast.